Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we share resources by and for adoptive and foster moms. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it, and we're here for you. Hey, Lisa, happy new year. Happy new year to you, Melissa. So are you a New Year's resolution girl? No. (laughs) I'm a New Year's dreams, hopes, plans, goals girl, but not resolutions. Somehow that just doesn't strike me right. How about you? Not generally. And I think if I'm really honest with myself, it's because I don't like to fail at things. I feel like people make resolutions and the general consensuses were pretty terrible at keeping them. And so I just don't like to be a part of that whole make a resolution, don't follow through. I'm generally pretty good if I set my sights on something to follow through, but I do it all year round. So I don't necessarily do anything special for the new year. Yeah. I don't necessarily like the idea of it because it seems sort of like a fad or something like it just, it doesn't strike me who I am. So but I do make lots of goals and plans. So I know. And well, and when you suggested this topic for a new year's episode, I was like, Oh, I don't like doing this, but (laughs) the more we talk about it, I think I do really like it. I think maybe I'm just pushing back at the general culture of like the new year. I don't know. So we'll see. Maybe it's because it's coming off of the Christmas season. And I feel like that's so draining anyway, that I hate that the next thing we have to do after that is like plan a whole year out. But I do like fresh starts, you know? Maybe it has this tied into me being a morning person or something, but every morning's new, every year is new. Whatever happened in 2018 happened, but 2018 is brand new. So tell me, you've been talking a lot about planning and you have some really good thoughts about why planning is important. I think so often, especially when we have really challenging kids and family situations or just kids with lots of needs, it's very easy to just live in the urgent and live in what is right in front of us all the time. And when we do that, a lot of what's important gets pushed aside. And so I want to remember what's important to me and make sure that even in whatever might feel chaotic or Uh, just a lot, you know, just like a heavy load on my plate. I want to make sure I'm not forgetting what's most important to me. And so I think planning moves us out of that tyranny of the urgent into what we value, what's important, what we hope and dream for in the upcoming year. Yeah, I think of it kind of like an anchor or a lighthouse. I like to speak in visual representations of things. And we are like on this emotional sea of emotions a lot with our kids. You know, we're kind of on this boat. It's a really stormy sea, I feel like, a lot of the time. And so I feel like this idea of planning, being intentional about remembering what is important gives us either a lighthouse or an anchor or both, even though our boat may you know, slosh around on the stormy sea, we can be confident that we're not going to go so far off course that we can't make it back because we've anchored ourselves in a couple of really important things. Yeah, I like that. That's a really nice way of thinking about it because I do feel like the goals I set for myself in the year, they are 
They are anchors. They, they pull me back to what, again, is important to me. So that's important. Now, of course, as moms, we cannot control everything. Well, as humans, we can't control everything in our lives. You know, we can set our plans, our goals, our hopes, dreams, but we have to always remember, and I think most of us do, that we don't control our future. You know, for those of us who are people of faith, we believe that God controls our future, which I find very comforting. I also know that sometimes um, things don't go at all the way I hope and plan, and I have to be okay with that. So there's sort of this, uh, you know, holding all my hopes, dreams, plans, holding very loosely in my hands because I ultimately do not control every moment of every day the way I might like to. Yeah. So what are some of the things that we can control? We wanted to, well, the thing that comes to mind is the opposite. What can I not control? I cannot control what my kids are going to do, how they're going to function. You know, like I can set the structure and the nurture around them, but I cannot control all the results, right? So right. that's in the can't control. Uh, what I can control. Hmm. I mean, we can control ourselves, right? Or we should control right. it. We're responsible <laughs> for right. ourselves. And, yeah. and I think when we work with families, that's a lot of what we focus on, gaining back control in areas that we really can control. Sometimes families feel like they have no control, but they're really focusing on one area where they don't have control. And that has made their, them feel like they don't control anything. Um, right. But we do, we can always anchor ourselves, right? And that we can control us. And I think kind of going back to this balance of planning, but being flexible, it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of like we talk about with how we respond to our kids that like nurture and structure parallel, kind of nurture being more of the flexibility and structure being what we plan. And there are certain things, right, that we should put a stake in the ground about in terms of planning and structure. But like you've written about before, Lisa, a lot of what we plan should kind of be in pencil or using post-it notes that can be kind of moved around. So okay. something right here on the table next to me, post-it notes and the pencil. That's so yeah. funny that you just said that. But that is how I do my planning. I mean, I use, well, we'll talk about specifics, but, you know, I use a paper planner, but I always write in pencil, always. And I have post-it notes that I put on there and move around because, you know, one of my kids might get sick today or, you know, we have one of our daughter's bases coming in on a flight. Well, it might be late today. You know, there are all these things that I cannot control. So yeah. I think it's important to have that flexibility. Yeah. And there's some things, right, that can't go away. Like we have to eat, we have to drink. There's certain things that absolutely have to happen. Sleep. Sleep's a big one. And so those things we may be a little less flexible around, um, but maybe we can be flexible in where they happen or what they are. So, you know, maybe we're being really structured about feeding um, and providing hydration to our kids every two hours, but maybe we get stuck out somewhere. And so maybe we have to get some chicken nuggets and a cup of water out somewhere instead of coming home and doing what we'd normally do. Or maybe, you know, we let our kids eat in the car when we normally wouldn't or something. We put the flexibility somewhere else so that it can still get done. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I know that when we were at the 
top of our crisis or the bottom, if you will, mm-hmm. I felt like I just didn't have the capacity to plan. It felt like something that was a luxury, not a necessity. But you're really talking about it being more of a necessity. So can you talk a little bit about why you think planning is so important? Even when it feels like we just can't. <laughs> well, I think it's, for me, it's part of taking care of myself. You know, that if I, I think of my life in like different domains, you know, and there's me as a mom and there are things in there that I can control and there are things I can't. There's me as a person, like what can I control? Um, this last year, 2018, for example, I wanted to really be more committed to prayer. Well, that is something I can control because prayer can happen anytime, you know? And of course, for me, being a structure, liking that kind of structure, I like, or I had a method sort of that I used. And, but I think when we can um, find the things that matter to us, they will happen. If, if we have no hopes, goals, plans, even in our lives being super chaotic, we will, none of that will happen if we don't plan for it, you know, like, but if my goal is to meet a specific need for my child in 2019, then I, I have to plan for it. Is that what you're asking, Melissa? Am I headed in the right direction there? Yeah, I think When I think about planning and I think about times that I haven't planned, and I, one of the things that motivates me, I think, is I hate the feeling of regret. (laughs) You know, I hate looking back and wishing something had been different. And I think because of that, I want to be intentional about what's going on in the here and now so that I don't look back in a month or a year and wish, oh gosh, I, I wish I would have been more patient. I wish I would have spent more time with that particular child. I wish, I wish, I wish. And I think for those of us who are more right-brained and maybe more want to be more free and not live by a calendar, I think the question that I ask a lot of people is, is that working for you? Um, and if you can do that and you know, kind of radically accept where the wind takes you, then more power to you. But I always feel like whenever I let the wind blow me, I always end up in a place that I feel like I didn't belong and that I'm mad about it. (laughs) Right, right. And so if that's your case, then um, I would say that, you know, planning, even though it feels like it is, I think a lot of people don't plan because they feel like it's suffocating. But I think if we do it in pencil with post-it notes, it's actually freeing because it frees us to make sure that we have time for the things that we really want to do. It frees us to get to the other end and feel successful. I agree. I agree. You know, regret can really pull us down, but it can also be instructive. You know, as you look back on 2018, what do you regret? What do you wish would have happened? And if those things are within your power, then take that regret and let it, let it instruct you and inform you as you plan 2019. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think a lot of times we beat ourselves up as moms, mom guilt, you know, is a thing. And, you know, I hear from a lot of moms, they look at kind of the landscape of their family and they take a lot of responsibility for it. And because of that, they feel like failures, you know, because a lot of times we do feel like 
the moms are kind of at the helm of the ship. And so if the ship's not sailing the right way, we feel responsible. And so I would just encourage you that one, you're not a failure, but two, sometimes, like you said, it can be instructive. So it's not too late to, you know, pivot and make a change. Um, but also remembering that some things you also can't control. So if you are really reflective about some of those things to just kind of be honest with yourself about what you could control and what you couldn't control and then plan accordingly. Okay. So for those of you who may not be natural planners, or this is something that you're going to be doing new for 2019, um, we just want to talk about some of our favorite tips um, that have worked for us in terms of planning, like really practical things, because that's what we're all about here at the Adoption Connection. So how do you start, Lisa? We, are, we just talked about, you know, regret, how regret can inform us. So look backward at the last couple of years. What were the really good things that I accomplished? What were the goals that I met? And what didn't I accomplish? And are those, the things I didn't accomplish, are they even important to me anymore? So I would look backward. And then I, as I'm looking toward a new year, like we are right now, um, I literally write down uh, my hopes, my dreams, um, my goals. And then I try to make sure that I'm setting goals in all, you know, all these different domains of my life. So for instance, my marriage, my, our, our work, our podcast work. Um, one of my goals for 2018 was signing a contract to publish my book. And that happened. Now there were parts of that I could control and parts I couldn't, but anyhow, so I'll have like work goals, family goals, marriage goals, personal goals, um, spiritual goals. So sort of brainstorming each one. What's important to me personally for my own growth? Do I want to read a book every month? Do I want to read a certain number of books in a year? Do I want to take a course? Do I, you know, those sorts of things. So I go through all of those and, and brainstorm each different aspect of my life to, to set my initial goals. How about you? How do you come up with your goals for a year? I do. I'm more of a shorter term goal setter, I think, but I do like the idea of looking at all of those domains. And I also think when we look at those domains, it's also really important to think about kind of what success would look like in each of those domains. Um, And then also who we're going to allow to speak into those domains. Because sometimes I know we have you know, sometimes well-meaning friends and family that have a lot of opinions about a lot of things. And so sometimes if we just are really intentional at the outset to say, you know, my job as a mother is this, and I know that I'm being successful when I'm acting like this, and my husband is the only other person who I'm going to allow to give me constructive criticism into that domain. And so that means that when someone else speaks into that, we can accept it and hear it, but we already have a boundary around that. So we know that's nice. That person can share that with us, but we are not required. In fact, we have already decided not to let other people speak into that domain. So that can help us, you know, not take maybe other criticism or, you know, comments, things, people, 
make so personally because I know that that can be really hard on us, especially because we're parenting in ways that look really different and our kids don't always look like other kids and, you know, the results of their their behavior, um, you know, can seem to reflect poorly on us and it doesn't have to. Um, So, and then I also think I'm a big brain dump person. I like to get everything written out, out of my brain and, and then pick through and look at the most impactful thing. What's the one goal or the one action that I can do that's going to have the biggest impact on myself or my marriage or my relationship with my children. Um, and as a short-term goal planner, I actually do that a lot, even day to day, you know, I'll wake up with my head spinning of all the things that I would like to get accomplished and I write them all down. And then I take a good, hard look and think when I get to the end of the day, what am I going to regret having not done if I don't do that one thing? And usually it's not the laundry, it's not always the dishes, but a lot of times it's, you know, that 10 or 15 minutes to connect with a child or make time for my husband or whatever. So I think that helps me really get to the end of a day and feel kind of quote unquote successful. Not like I was on the hamster wheel and just didn't get anything, like ran around a lot, but didn't actually get anything done. It helps me feel just more peaceful at the end of the day, I think. Yeah, I think when we think about goals, we, you know, we've got these annual goals, like something we want to accomplish in all of 2019. And then we have to break it down further. Like, well, what is my goal toward that? You know, what is my short-term goal in this month and then in this week? And then, you know, I have a plan every day. And in my planner, I use both a paper planner and and an online calendar. We'll talk about that. But, um, you know, every day, when I list out the tasks that I want to accomplish, I choose two or three that are my most important. And those are the ones, those are like my rocks, the things that are most important for me to accomplish that day so that I'll end the day either having met a deadline or just doing the thing that is going to make me feel best. Like there might be a task I'm kind of dreading, but I realize that if I don't do it, I'm going to get to the end of the day and I'm going to feel crummy and I'm going to be worrying about it and it's going to hang over me. So I try to make sure I set those two or three top goals for my day every, every morning. I actually look at my planner before I go to bed at night and think about those things usually. Now, not every day is perfect, but, and sometimes those, those top two or three goals don't get accomplished because all the other little tasks eat up the day, but it helps me at least to have them in my mind. Yeah. But how do you feel at the end of a day that where you have done those really big, most important two or three tasks versus a day where you do all the little tiny things and then you go to bed with those two big ones not finished? Do you feel different? No, it definitely feels better, yeah, to get those things done because otherwise if I if my entire day is filled up with just all the tasks and I don't do one thing that's really important to me, I just go to bed tired. <laughs> you know, just really, really tired and feeling like kind of spent, like I just poured myself out and that was so hard and, and I didn't get anything that really felt like it mattered. But sometimes at, in my top two or three will be making dinner <laughs> because, yeah. you know, it's easy to get into that habit of like, oh my goodness, it's 4.30 or 5, what am I going to make? And so a lot of times 
on my to-do list for the week will be my menu. But then just if I start getting sloppy about it, I'll make sure that I put that as one of my top goals so that I actually think ahead, plan what we were going to have, you know, things like that. So I'm not talking about necessarily big goals. Like um, I'm looking today and one of the things is finding the one family photo I want to put on well okay we're recording this before the new year now i'm revealing this i'm still trying to get a christmas card made and um you know i'm trying to find this one picture so that is one of my top goals for the day i'm emailing all my kids texting my kids who else that picture we took you know so it may not be necessarily something that's super time consuming or a big project it's just the thing that is going to make my life better finding that picture will make my life better yeah Making i love that makes my yeah. life better yeah. And it can be a really small thing. So when we say that two big goals, they're not, they don't have to be like earth shattering things. They no. can be simple things, but again, it's, they feel the most <clears throat> impactful. Um, mm -hmm. Going back to what you said about having a really big goal and then breaking it down. Sometimes that can feel really overwhelming too. And I found that if you just keep asking the question, how it helps you break it down. So if your really big goal is I want to focus on my marriage this year, mm -hmm. then you ask yourself how. And so the answer to that might be um, a monthly date night, you know, and then you keep asking how, well, how is that going to happen? And so then you can think, well, I'm going to need a babysitter. We're going to need a date, an actual date on the calendar. Um, and then you keep asking how, you know, and so then, well, I need, in order to find a babysitter, I need to call so-and-so down the street and I need to actually put the dates on my calendar. So now all of a sudden you're down to call the babysitter down the street, yeah. pick dates with Russ or Patrick, you know, or whatever. So now you've gone from a really big goal and you actually have action steps that are tiny and can give you small wins, like, um, something to check off. I know Lisa, you said, um, one of your tips was do the smallest win first, you know, like, so if you can break yes. down your big goal into something that's that tiny, and then all you have to do is text the babysitter, um, that can give you something to check off. Like there's a feeling, a chemical feeling of euphoria in checking that thing off, whether it's calling the babysitter or prioritizing your marriage, whether it's a little thing or a big thing. So breaking our things down into the smallest possible bites, because sometimes those are the only moments that we have in between rages or in between therapy appointments are those 15 second intervals. If we can break our goals down into those, then we can check off things. And that's just rewarding in and of itself. Right. And I think when we accomplish that one small thing, we've got some forward momentum. So if my goal is to make a good dinner and the first thing I do is go down and pull meat out of the freezer and put it out to thaw, okay, I've accomplished something toward that bigger goal of having a decent dinner made and on the table by six, you know, the, the meat is thawing and the, and I know where the recipe is, something like that. Um, yeah, I try like, for instance, if someone wants to read more in a year, Okay, maybe the first two steps are to download your library's app to your phone, you know, so you can have a system for getting books on Kindle or on your phone or audiobooks, you know, which, which we both like a lot. You know, instead of, oh gosh, my goal is to listen to an audiobook every two weeks. Well, okay, how are you going to do that? What do you need to do? What's the first step toward reading more? You know, so I, I definitely break things down into small bits. Like when I was trying to get a book contract, 
one of the small things I did was I sent emails to friends who were authors already published and I asked them specific questions or just, you know, anyhow, yes, break it down so that you can accomplish a piece of that goal right away. So you get some momentum going toward it. Yeah. And I would say when you're choosing your goals, again, this goes back to what we can control and not control use action based goals. So like your dinner example, Lisa, your goal was to make dinner. It doesn't need to be make a dinner that everyone likes. Of course, we're not going to obviously try to make something that no one likes. But if your definition of success is how people react to what you make, then you're setting yourself up for possible failure that you can't really control, right? Because maybe your son or daughter just had a bad day at school and is grumpy anyway, and it didn't matter whether you made his favorite food or a salad, there was going to be grumpiness at dinner, complaining about the food. It's just the way a lot of our kids, their emotions bubble out through these verbal things. So, you know, make your win something that you can control. Make it that you're going to respond with connection to your child, you know, four times in a day or something. Don't make it that you're going to get through Christmas without a rage because you can't control what that's going to be. Or, you know, don't make it that they're not going to get, you know, sent to the principal's office X number of times in January and February. Like it needs to be more about us and what we can control. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to share uh, one of my most important goals for 2018 and, and 2017, I believe we've, we've done it two years now. Um, you know, when we brought our new kids into our family, yeah, things got very, very chaotic. And I've shared about this a lot, but our older kids really, in a lot of ways, lost us. They didn't have access to us because we were in the thick of it all the time. And so we began, once our heads cleared a tiny bit and we realized the damage that was happening, you know, we started making some changes. But now we're in a season where we aren't living at that kind of intensity. And as the chaos cleared a little bit for us. I think it, I became really aware that one of the things that was most important to me was reconnecting with all of our adult kids and trying to reclaim more relationship with them again. So we set a goal of having a distinct connecting experience with each one of our adult kids each year. And I literally make a list with all their names and there are a lot, you know, we have a lot of kids. And we, we, at the beginning of the year, last year, we planned and thought, okay, this is how we want to connect with this kid. This is what we're going to do to see our married kids. Um, and some of it involved travel. Some of it was really simple, like helping one of our kids accomplish something that was important or needed for them. You know, we, we actually did something really big this year. And the, for me, I, I didn't get to go, but Russ um, went to Peru to trek to Machu Picchu with our daughter, Anna Rose, who was studying abroad. So we knew she left in January of 2018 and she was going to be in South America until August. So we knew that. So, and she had set a goal of doing Machu Picchu. And so Russ decided he was going to do it with her. And I've shared about this, how it kind of steamrolled in our adult kids. One of them found out and said, well, I want to go. And then another our oldest, one of our older daughters found out, she said, well, I want to go too. So it ended up being this beautiful trip of rest going with four of our adults. And then Claire, one of our teens went too. 
And, um, you know, it sounds kind of funny, but I looked at that goal and I was like, check, 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 four kids done, you know, <laughs> deep connection with four kids and really powerful for us and his relationship with the kids. So, I mean, that's a really big, unusual kind of thing. Um, another with our married kids, we met them in a little town not far from here and spent one night there with them, you know. So it doesn't have to be huge. It can be small. It can be camping. It can be anything. But for me, that is, other than, you know, building my marriage, that is my number one probably goal for 2019 again. And it's been, the win has been huge for all of us. My goal has been and will continue to be because I can tend to be a workaholic. I can tend to, you know, not want to do some of the things that the other people in my house are doing because a lot of it revolves around watching TV, which is really like my least favorite way to spend time. Um, But I've tried to be really intentional about just being with, uh, being present with my people wherever they happen to be. So if everyone's sitting down on the sofa at the end of a night and watching TV, instead of like slinking off to go, you know, read a book or do something else that I feel like would be more on my to-do list, um, you know, that I just plot my, put my phone away, plot myself down in the midst of, you know, all the people on the sofa and just decide, make a really intentional decision to spend that time. Because I think, again, if I measure which like long-term, if I look back, what will I regret? Like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to regret not spending that time if I don't do it now, because you know, they're getting older and, um, all the things. So that's one thing. And then sticking with my, like with, uh, word, you know, just when we were in our crisis, the first thing to go were outside friendships from our family, you know, and just being a little bit more intentional now that again, we're not in the height of our crisis to remember that there's a world out there outside of our house, because sometimes it's really tempting because we have so many people in our house to just hole up in our house. Like there's plenty of human interaction within our own four walls. And sometimes we forget to kind of reach out beyond that and, you know, be intentional about having friends meet us at a park or inviting someone over for dinner or I don't know, just kind of staying connected to those other relationships has been really important and something that we did better at in 2018. And I'm hoping we'll have a little bit more space to continue to do that in 2019. That's a good one. That's, that's really important. You know, I set a goal to make my marriage a top priority in 2018. I'm so glad we did, you know, Russ and I, um, started reading some books about marriage as an attachment relationship, which I'm just super, super excited about. And I'd love to do a whole podcast on when I feel like I know more, but um, we read some books, we listened to them on audio, we read them. And then we decided that this particular method of therapy, it's called, I think it was called emotionally focused couples therapy. Um, And we'll put this in the show notes, by the way. We'll put the titles of the books and things, too. Anyhow, we decided that it sounded so, like, true and powerful to us that we decided to look for a counselor who did this method of counseling for marriages and try to work with somebody. 
And so we actually found someone and it took a while. We were on a wait list for a long time. And then we got in with someone and so we've been working with this counselor and it's just been powerful. I wouldn't say it's fun. It's, it's actually really hard. It's really hard, but it's really powerful. And I think, you know, so many of us have been pulled into the urgent of meeting our kids' needs over and over and over and over again. It takes a toll on marriages. And Melissa, I know you and I have both seen marriages that have not survived this. They've not survived fostering and adopting kids with a lot of trauma. And so that's just been a really big priority for us. And, you know, that was a goal. And I feel like we met it. And it was completely worth it. So that goal and then uh, our relationships with our kids would definitely be at the very top of my list again this year. Yeah. I think I'm using the excuse that we have a new baby coming to not um, plan too much into this year because, um, you know, I just think it's going to be really flexible. We're going to have to be really flexible. So let's just clarify, you are not having a baby and you're not adopting. This is a grandbaby you're talking about. Yeah, our grandbaby, but in our, yeah, in our house. So it's going to be a big, uh, big adjustment for everyone. And we have kind of done this before, but you know, just every time we all know, like every time a new person enters our home, um, everything shifts a little bit. So I'm a little bit putting off this kind of planning, um, because I'm just trying to hold everything loosely, which I, I think again goes back to I, I said at the beginning. You know, I'm I'm more of a short-term planner. I think because our journey has had so many twists and turns, I kind of feel like planning for a whole year. Like I just look back at 2018 and I look at all of the things that have changed in the last year, and planning um, too many like logistical specifics. I mean, obviously things like connecting with kids and and these really important like priorities we want to set. I think, you know, we can always do that, but you know, thinking about logistics and things like even committing to read a book every month, like I just have no idea what our time is going to look like. And so I think I'm always really careful about those types of things because again, like in the, in our last, in our last year, we've had major career switches. Um, You know, I hadn't even thought about we hadn't thought even about the adoption connection a year ago. I mean, look how much no. has changed there. So years just feel really long and big because I think in our lives, like things happen so fast. <laughs> you know, like we had someone move out of our house. We had someone move into our house. We have a new baby coming. Like, I don't know. There's just so many things that happen so fast. So many things. Well, we have a wedding July. Our daughter Hannah's getting married July 13th. And the wedding is at our house in our yard. So... I mean, that's determining a lot of how the next, the first half of this year is going to go because um, when you have a lot of people, like maybe 200 people showing up in your yard, <laughs> we have so much work to do, so much work to do. So that's going to be uh, a big goal, but broken down into lots and lots and lots of small goals to get ready for that. But I do want to share one other thing, and this is just so basic, but you know, not everybody uses a calendar or a planner. And that's fine, but just to share how I do it, I use Google Calendar on my computer and my phone, and each child or each person in our family has their own color and calendar, and so I put every event in there that's happening that really helps me, and I can just 
look at the big picture of the week. I can look at it day by day. That's been huge. I also use a paper planner, and it's sort of a combination paper planner, journal. It has some blank pages, but it also has daily pages, has weekly, monthly. Some people, weekly is great. I find I actually really need daily because I'm juggling uh, you know, our work with the adoption connection. I've got one thankful mom and then I've got the book and I've got home and kids and all these things. So it helps me to have a daily planner. And then years ago, I did something that I've just, just decided last week that I'm going to renew in our home. I take a big, one of those desk, uh, desktop calendars, you know, the big ones. And I put a strip of magnetic tape on the back and put it on the freezer of our refrigerator. And it takes up a good portion of the freezer. But um, then I use a different color for each kid in the family and I record all of their activities. And now that my boys are getting busier and busier with different kinds of sports and events, even though I don't have, you know, seven or eight kids at home anymore, and, and with Claire, even with her stuff, if I can just, if they can all see it, if I don't have to be responsible to, just to say, oh, remember, you have basketball practice tonight. Now, not that I want to actually say that, but they can look themselves and see what's happening every day. So I think I'm going to do that again. I think I'm going to dig out that old tool. So calendars and planners are just huge for me. Very, very helpful because I cannot hold anything in my brain, like nothing. So I have to write everything down or it's gone. How about you, Melissa? Yeah, I'm a calendar person for sure. Uh, I use Google Calendar on my phone, on my computer, everywhere. I like it because I can be in pretty much anywhere and, you know, see it. I can see a big version of it on my, you know, big computer screen or I can pull it up on my phone at the doctor's office when I'm trying to plan the next thing. Um, I do need to, we have a whiteboard by our front door and I'm going to start, I think, doing at least important dates and things on that for our our family because I think I've probably mentioned this before by the time I tell like three or four people in our family I feel like everyone should know about it and inevitably there's always one person who we get to the like hour of the whatever it needs to be whether it's you know something happening in our house or where we all have to pack up and go somewhere and someone's like I didn't know that was happening no one ever tells me anything um, mm -hmm. and a lot of times it's my husband so uh, we need a better plan <laughs> I think to keep everyone on the same page and we all have Google calendar. It's just not everyone checks it or looks in their phones or whatever the same way that I do. <laughs> yeah. And my boys don't have phones. So, and they don't, they're not at Google calendar level yet anyhow, but I want us to remember too, that for our kids who have, who tend to be anxious, who are worried about what's coming next, a visual calendar that they can see. It's fine for us to have it on our phone or our computer, but if they can't see it, I think it, it can, I think them being able to see it, let me reword that, them being able to see it can lower some anxiety because they know what's coming. We'll have a really fun download if anyone wants to try kind of looking at each of their days with intention, um, something you can print out and use every day or every day that you can think about doing it. Um, we'll have that at the show notes. And then if you want to pop into our Facebook group at the Adoption Connection or on Facebook, just look us up, the Adoption Connection, look for the group, not the page. You know, we'll have a conversation going on there about, you know, what you guys are all thinking about for 2019. And it's always fun to connect with you guys, be in community, hear what your thoughts are. And you always have really good tips and thoughts that we didn't think of. So we would love to see you over there. All the links for all of those things will be at the show notes at 
theadoptionconnection.com slash 21. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram as The Adoption Connection. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick review over on iTunes. It will help us reach more moms who may be feeling alone. And remember, until next week, you're a good mom doing good work, and we're here for you. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.